verses 21 to 29. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit, and the fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the, the, years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Amy. Good evening, everybody. My name's Andy. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Let's pray as we come to uh, ponder God's word uh, from the prophet Joel this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that amazing prophecy from the Old Testament of you pouring your Holy Spirit out upon all people. And we thank you that that promise has been fulfilled and that uh, we can know the Spirit in our lives. And we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come amongst us and speak to us. Uh, fill us afresh this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, so we are looking at a passage from the prophet Joel. Um, if you have a Bible or you're near one, do turn to it. Joel is, it can be a little tricky to find. Old Testament, if you get to the major prophets like Daniel, then go Hosea, then Joel. Um, and that's uh, where we are uh, tonight. So we're in the run-up to Pentecost, aren't we? Um, three weeks' time, and that's where we remember uh, God pouring out his Spirit for the first time on his first followers. Um, and so over the next few weeks in the evening service, we're going to be preaching through just a short series looking at the Holy Spirit. First, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, then Holy Spirit uh, in the life of Jesus, and then on Pentecost Sunday, we're finishing Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the church. And so tonight, uh, it's the Old Testament. Um, so we've got about that much <laughs> to go through. So strap yourselves in. Please keep your arms and legs in the carriage at all times <laughs> because we're about to go. Um, and I think really the uh, kind of my real hope and prayer for us uh, tonight from this passage in Joel is that um, for us to kind of see and inhabit this Old Testament longing for the Holy Spirit in our lives and the lives of the church and our communities. And particularly there's those final two verses. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even when all my servants, men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Uh, we've heard testimony uh, from yesterday. We had a walking on water day with uh, Paul and Becky Harcourt, who are leaders of New Wine uh, in England. It was such a wonderful day. We were joined by um, people from other churches um, in Leamington, and a wonderful day of pressing into uh, God and calling on him uh, for the Holy Spirit. And Paul, uh, he, he started off the day uh, with something that I want to repeat um, tonight, which is, he said, it's a dangerous place to say that, uh, if you think you, you could say that you have experienced, pretty much experienced all that um, God might have for you, or think you've just about plumbed the depths of how much God loves you, or experience of the Spirit in your life. It's a dangerous place, and it's also a place that's that's wrong. It's a wrong place because there is always more. There is always more of God's spirit for us. Um, and so I think it's very appropriate actually that we kind of look to inhabit this prophetic longing uh, for more of the spirit in our land, more in our hearts, more in our church, our communities. And at the end of uh, the sermon tonight, we're going to have an opportunity um, to pray for each other to receive more of the Holy Spirit. So I'm just giving a little heads up um, about that uh, and also a chance to, to pray for each other if there's anything uh, that you would like prayer for um, in your life. So we're going to, um, we're exploring the context of the Old Testament. Um, that is the time before Jesus, time before God sent his son into the world. Um, and the key concept really that is going to kind of carry us through, is that very often um, in the Old Testament, things which are physical or, or given by God physically, in the New Testament, in the new covenant of Jesus, are, are fulfilled spiritually. So Old Testament, physical, and that in the New Testament, it is fulfilled spiritually. It's not always like that, but especially with the Holy Spirit, uh, that does hold true. Um, and just as Paul writes in the New Testament, in Colossians, he's talking about the, um, the law that um, the Hebrew people were given. He said, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Right, but first, I just want to, uh, before we kind of dive right into that, uh, want to just ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And I just want to briefly look at three common uh, misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first is, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He is a person. I think sometimes, even those of us who've been Christians for some time, we can actually find ourselves referring to or relating to the Holy Spirit um, more like a thing or an energy or a principle or maybe even some kind of projection of God. Uh, but actually, that's completely wrong. It completely misses uh, who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person. That means he's a he, not an it. It means uh, you ask who, not what. 
I think that's very important uh, just to say up front. And Jesus makes it really clear in the way he talks about the Holy Spirit that this is the case. Um, He calls the Holy Spirit the advocate or the helper. Um, Here's something from Jesus uh, in, in John's gospel. He says, when the advocate comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Not it will testify, but he will testify. So this... The Holy Spirit is a person. Um, Secondly, Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. He is essential. Sometimes I think we can, good evangelicals, we can get so uh, focused on God the Father and God the Son, that's Jesus, that the Holy Spirit becomes a kind of add-on or afterthought. Um, But actually, the Holy Spirit is a, a full member of the Trinity, One God, three equal persons. And the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and by Jesus. And so that means the last thing he can be is optional um, for us. And that's the story of Pentecost, isn't it? Jesus tells uh, his followers, you've got to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And at that time at Pentecost, that's when the church begins to grow and when gifts are released. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is not a dangerous manipulator. He is personable. As well as being a person, he is personable. Um, I think sometimes, especially in more charismatic churches um, like ours, um, that we can, there can kind of be this sense that the Holy Spirit can like, take control of us and you know, might make us do weird or kind of uncomfortable things, or that we might somehow lose our free will or our, our agency. Even just, you know, as we sung, you know, we, Lord, we want to be overcome by your presence. But actually, the Holy Spirit doesn't, it's not about kind of taking control of us. And when we sing that, Lord, we want to be overcome by your presence, that's not to say we want to cease to have our own character or distinction, but actually we want to lean into Um, knowing the Spirit with us and the Spirit wants to partner with us. And the Holy Spirit always respects our personality, our temperament, our desires and our cooperation. And he might give you a desire that you didn't have before but it's never without your partnership and it's always for your good or for the good of others and for the good of others even. And this has been my experience of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in my own life, always gentle, patient, encouraging, not always saying like comfortable things or things that are easy to hear or take on, but always making me aware of his love for me and for others. And sometimes the spirit moves and speaks dramatically, but more often I find in my life, it's the quiet, the gentle. Okay, so there's, that's, a little, little primer on who is the Holy Spirit, a person, essential, and personable. Let's look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament then. So again, we're looking at this idea that things that are physic- physically given in the Old Testament have a spiritual fulfillment in the New Testament. So first, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. So we're looking at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, so we might as well turn to page one, Genesis chapter one. Um, and actually, the first place we see the Spirit is in the opening lines. Yeah, first two verses of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning. It's not that the Spirit kind of waited uh, in reserve until Pentecost and then gets released. Not at all. The Holy Spirit is involved, uh, has been involved in creation from the very start. And the, the Holy Spirit is also uh, the agent of creation along with the Son. Uh, some of you will know that I love the early church fathers, uh, early church theologians, and they were really, the early church was, was grappling with kind of what is the nature of God and the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And one of my favorite early church theologians and church leaders was a guy called Irenaeus of Lyon, a bishop in France in the second century. And he talks about the Son and the Spirit of God are like the two hands of the Father, the hands of God, as they're both involved uh, in creation. One God involved creating, and all three of uh, God's, of the persons of the Trinity are active, including the Holy Spirit. And across the page, Genesis chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit again, or at least we do if we're reading the Hebrew. Genesis 2 verse 7, Then the Lord God formed a man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You might think, okay, where's the Holy Spirit here? Um, In Hebrew, the the word for spirit is ruach, and that means, it's translated spirit, breath, wind. It's actually the same in in the Greek, when the Greek pneuma talks about the the spirit, it's the same thing. Um, And so, Actually, if you're reading this in Hebrew, you read that God breathed into his nostrils the spirit, the breath of life. And that Greek word pneuma is where we get the, the word like pneumatic, like pneumatic machinery, which is powered by compressed air. Um, you know, and the, the power kind of comes from that air to kind of to uh, power the machine. I hope I got that right, uh, engineers who are here. Um, it's the kind of like those pneumatic drills that you see them digging up pavements with. Those are powered by um, air, just as in the same way that human life is powered by the Spirit of God. And in our reading, Joel 2, uh, we see God as a sustainer of life there too, a creator. It says, don't be afraid, you wild animals. For the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. The sense of God as the creator, the sustainer, and the spirit's role in that very kind of physical, tangible uh, creation, the world in which we live. So that's the, the kind of physical creation we see very clearly, don't we, in the Old Testament. And the fulfillment of this is a new creation, Just as the Holy Spirit is that agent of physical creation in the Old Testament, the same Spirit is the agent of new creation in the human heart, the human soul, which we see in the new covenant brought by Jesus. And just as the Holy Spirit is that animator of physical life uh, in the Old Testament, the same Spirit is the animator of spiritual life for the Christian today. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The Spirit has brought about something new. The old is gone, the new 
is here. So that's the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. Secondly, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon particular people at particular times for particular tasks. Here's just a few quick examples. Um, Bezalel uh, was given the gift of artistic craftsmanship by uh, the Holy Spirit. The Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I've filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, etc. Then you get the gift of courage. Gideon uh, was, a, uh, was a man in the early history of God's people who was, it's a very uh, well-known story, who was cowardly and God gives him uh, courage by the Spirit. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And then skipping ahead, then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. The spirit gives a gift of strength, physical strength. Samson, Judges 15 verse 14, as Samson approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. And there's also the gift of prophecy. This is what Isaiah says about his call to be a prophet in the Old Testament. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There's this sense that in the Old Testament, you receive the Holy Spirit for, uh, because you are a particular person at a particular time for a particular task. The, but the, the spiritual fulfillment of that is that whereas in the Old Testament it's particular, it's only, the Spirit is given in certain uh, instances, in the New Covenant, the New Testament with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is poured out for everybody. And these, those gifts that were given actually are for all of us and take on a spiritual character. So that gift of craftsmanship, well, the Holy Spirit brings new things in our lives, new attitudes, new desires, new ways of worshiping, creativity, you know, whether it's music or theology or art or sport or whatever, the Spirit can empower you in those, each of those, whatever your passion is, whatever God has gifted you in, and use that for God's glory. And I wonder what kind of spiritual craftsmanship might the Holy Spirit seek to release in your life, using your gifts, your passions. And you have the gift of courage. God loves to use those who feel weak and inadequate, and how apt that is at a time of global crisis. Um, and cultural opposition um, to the faith. God uses the weak and the small for his glory by his Holy Spirit. And that gift of strength, the Holy Spirit gives us freedom to break away from 
that which kind of binds us, uh, those habits or addictions uh, that don't come from God in our lives, the Holy Spirit gives strength to, uh, to break free of those in Jesus' name. And prophecy, where well, we, we can all hear God's voice. Joel says, all people, I'll pour out my spirit on all people and everyone will start having dreams and visions and will hear from me. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was promised by the Father. And there's a real pivot um, in the Joel reading, kind of between verses 27 and 28, like a shift from this like physical restoration to a spiritual one. So I'll just read back um, the, that passage. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, kind of physical famine that had gripped the land. The great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locust swarm, that great army that I sent among you. You'll have plenty to eat, lots of physical food until you're full, and you'll praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you particular times, particular places. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you'll know that I am in Israel. This kind of national security that God is giving. I'm the Lord your God. There's no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And then it switches. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men dream dreams, young men see visions, even my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days. The Hebrew people have been through so much through Old Testament history. They've been enslaved in Egypt. They'd wandered in the wilderness. They'd settled in the promised land. Uh, then they'd been conquered and exiled, sent away. By the time of Joel, they'd returned to the land that was theirs. But they were diminished and weak and they looked back and thought the glory days are behind us but Joel is saying God has more for humanity than just political stability for his chosen nation he's going to effect a spiritual restoration he's going to welcome everyone to be part of his people to be part of Israel and offer them all his Holy Spirit to dwell in their hearts. And that promise is for all of us today. And Joel speaks into this, both the, that physical restoration of you know, food and security that enables the people to survive, but then he looks ahead to that spiritual restoration, uh, the bringing near to God. Jesus going to the cross, enabling us to approach the holy God and that spirit given to all people. And that's kind of where I want to, I guess, sort of come to land, really, and call on us to, uh, to seek a holy longing for the Holy Spirit, that longing which we see in Joel, which we see in the Old Testament, looking ahead to that fulfillment of what all these things are just shadows of in the new covenant. And we sang earlier, didn't we? We sang that we are your temple. We are God's temple. I wonder, do we understand the significance of what we're singing? 
uh, in that song. The temple is the place where God's presence dwells. And as we, as we sing that, and it's true, we are the place where, where God is, dwells with us by his Holy Spirit. You know, we, yeah, just let's inhabit a longing for more um, of his presence with us. And so what we're going to do in a moment is I'm actually going to invite us all to split into pairs and to pray for one another, especially for uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit, for more of the Holy Spirit. And there are five, well, something that, uh, that is done on the Alpha Holy Spirit Day, which I think is really helpful, is there can be five kind of categories of people when it comes to praying for the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to go through these and um, see which one resonates with you, and you can share that with the person who will be praying with you, um, just to kind of help us kind of get into, um, yeah, kind of where we, where we are sitting. I should say there's going to be no compulsion to pray. Uh, if, if praying, especially for the Holy Spirit, is something that is, that is not um, something that you're used to, or if perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, there's no pressure at all. Feel free to, in your pair, just chat about what you've heard, um, or uh, to sit and think about um, what you've heard just now. The five kinds of people. Uh, firstly, there's longing. Are you longing? Perhaps you believe all of this. Um, and you're seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or seeking to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Or secondly, would you call yourself receptive? That's perhaps, you wouldn't say that you have experienced the Holy Spirit yourself in a, in a significant way, but like, you're open to him. A sense of, you want, perhaps you want to want to be filled with the Spirit, if that makes sense. You want that desire, but perhaps you don't have it. And that's fine. Or thirdly, perhaps you are hostile. Uh, perhaps you have reservations about all this or uh, even perhaps disagree uh, with uh, what I've been sharing or uh, what the nature of God is in this way in the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, perhaps you call yourself uninformed. That's the, that's the idea of the Holy Spirit. Um, is completely new to you or being filled with the Spirit. Perhaps that's just something that uh, you just haven't come across before. That's fine too. And finally, uh, the unlikely. Some people feel like, well, this is all well and good, but it's for others, it's not for me. So we'll leave um, this slide up just so you can um, remind yourself of what those five are. And um, just gonna, we're going to move into a time to uh, pray with each other now. Now, last week, if you were here at the evening service, we, we did, we prayed with each other. We, we spent into pairs and prayed um, for the world and prayed for those in need. And this week, we're going to do a similar thing, but we're going to pray for each other to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if there's something, um, if there's something that, that you need in life, um, if there's for healing for something um, or a situation that you're happy to share, then... This is a time you can share that for prayer as well. And we're going to be doing this as a practice in the evening service over the next few weeks leading up to Pentecost uh, as we uh, reflect on the Holy Spirit together. So I'd like to encourage you all to get into pairs now. Um, the rules are, or the guideline from me is, 
Please don't be in a pair with someone who you share a house with. And also, if you came to the Walking on Water Day yesterday, please don't go into a pair with someone else who is in the Walking on Water Day, just so we can spread um, out. Um, and please feel free to, to find some space. There, is some, there are some empty chairs, um, or you can go off um, to the edges of the room if you would like to. So form up into pairs, please, if you are happy to engage with this. As I say, if this is new to you, if you'd rather um, just sit and think, or if you would like just, to, just some time by yourself, that is absolutely fine. That's, um, for some, it's something that comes very naturally. For others, it's new. Um, and it's something that we would just like to step into just a little bit more um, here at the evening service. Um, we're going to uh, worship God now. Um, why don't I pray? Would you stand with me? If you're still praying, that's absolutely fine to keep, to keep going. This, this um, space is uh, for you.